Hello, I'm Anne, and thank you for joining me on another episode of CSO Executive Sessions. Today, I'll be speaking to Rubaiyat Akbar, who is based in Singapore. Rubai is Head of IT and Cybersecurity at DocDoc. Thanks for making time to join me today, Rubai. Thank you. Thanks, Anne, uh, for you know, giving us an opportunity to talk to the audience and inviting me to this session. Thank you. Um, as a start, can you tell us a bit about DocDoc and what the company does? Yeah, sure. DocDoc is an exciting new startup. So I, I think it's still not that new. Uh, it's like 12 years of our journey uh, right now. So we have initially started like a medical tourism uh, startup, but then we have actually learned, transformed and evolved into uh, more matured companies. So our current mission is to create a more transparent and effective health insurance ecosystem for our partners. So we believe that uh, yeah, when you make a decision for your, you know, the healthcare services you avail, you should have access to the information, what you are ex what service you are going to have, how much it costs uh, um, compared to different options. So then you take the right, as a patient, you want to take the best decision for you. So we call it hope, heuristic for outcome, price and experience. We share the information with our members so that they can make the best decision based on their uh, own preference needs and the industry um, available options. So that's what we do. Uh, we develop this system to help our insurance uh, customers and members to have much more than a traditional uh, digital hair service uh, they build for the insurance industry. So I think that's what we're trying to do. We've already partnered with a couple of insurance uh, companies and now um, um, actually already uh, launching in two different industries, Singapore and Indonesia. And we're also planning to launch soon in Ma Malaysia and other countries across South Asia. That's interesting. Um, <clears throat> what are some advantages in terms of cybersecurity um, of using DocDoc compared to your competitors? At DocDoc, what we do, we call it security and privacy by design. So that's the principle we follow how it is different from a traditional security um, process, right? So most of the company in traditionally or previously used to follow that. We developed a product or we developed a system or we have an infrastructure. When you are trying to launch it for production or ready for customer, right before that, the security will go ahead and test it. Okay, these systems, this product, this application is ready for customer and it's same. So this kind of last uh, gateway Security was the last gatekeeper before it goes out to the market. But that's also have a bottleneck. If I detect something at that stage, it's too late. Either I have to go back and fix it, and it has also come with a business cost, right? It's very last point. So what we do, uh, we get involved at very early stage. So that's what we call security by design. So the product or the other teams will actually uh, start talking. Even they have an idea, okay, I want to launch something like this. And we'll share, okay, if you want to launch this, from our side, we think this approach will be more secure than what you are thinking. So that's how we start interacting with the various teams and they take our ideas, our recommendation, and that they actually in incorporate those things into business process or the logic they want to develop. Even before any application or uh, developers start to write code, there's nothing in uh, technology started yet. So this helps us to make the product secure even at a planning stage. And then once uh, the developer starts to write code, or build application, we have automated process that will actually review the code as they write on the spot and they'll say, okay, this piece of code seems to use a library that is not secure, or maybe this library is already out of support by the developer company which developed it. So this guides the 
coda immediately what to avoid um what not to use uh, especially we follow the wasp doctor risk so they will get a guidance okay if i follow these guidance will be practicing the secure coding as recommended by the wasp so this helps us to make the code secure even before we start any kind of test and obviously once this um, complete the testing we go ahead and do the testing and then follow the traditional release process so this helps us to go securely through a multiple layer of checking uh, feedback sharing and you know counter feedback and once it is goes to production we also follow the same principle that okay we quarterly test something in-house and then we also engage external third party to comprehensive test our systems so that we know not only from our in-house we feel it is secure we also want industry experts the penetration tester to check and confirm us okay the system is uh, pretty secure and it's good for um, continuously using it so this helps us if I, um, talk about competing advantage so we can detect security issue much earlier so it helps our business to take a decision much earlier maybe at planning phase maybe when we're just building a prototype it helps our money it saves our money it saves our time it um, makes our product more secure that's the competitive advantage i think we have uh, over a traditional security process flow. That's great. Um, and what do you think is a common roadblock that CISOs in your industry face when protecting their organization? I think like any other industry, healthcare industry also going through a rapid transformation. But the biggest change came after the COVID. This post-COVID actually forced us to become more digital. Maybe everyone is planning for becoming digital at some stage in future, but COVID forced us to become digital immediately. So this caused a heavy, huge demand for launching new feature, automated our legacy process, and you know, adopt cloud-fast technologies. So these changes, I will not call it a roadblock, but this puts an enormous pressure on the CISO, how to cope up with this rapid transformation, because the budget is not unlimited, the resources are not unlimited, and also there is a competing demand of business priorities. So how they make it balanced, and because each organization is not safe, uh, some has maybe uh, a lot of money, some does not have. So how do you balance between available resource and um, still secure your service uh, that is offered to the customers? So I think that's the biggest challenge for the CISOs. Um, and there is no one size for all. So everyone has to think how I can uh, make my organization secure in this kind of challenging uh, scenario. So often what we call, we use um, risk-based efforts. So we cannot solve everything in one go. So we try to put our resource into more into high-risk area first and then solve other priorities later. But now, what do you mean by high-risk? So technical, often we, many people think security is a technical risk, but it is not. Because say there's an incident happens, you just, do not just lose the technology. You lose business, you lose trust of your customer, maybe you lose trust of your regulator. It can have a multiple side of impact, right? Even though a fire incident may happen once in a hundred years, but we still spend money on fire extinguisher, right? We don't say, okay, this building never gone to fire, so we'll not install, that's not right, because it can happen. Similarly, for security issues, you cannot say, okay, it never happened to us, that means we'll never be a uh, victim to any security attack. So this has to be part of our business thought process. When you launch something, we have to understand what is our security risk in this market, in this process, in this product. And that should be in the mind of business, not in just mind of security. Uh, so this is a challenge, I think, this cultural shift that thinking security is not as a technical risk is a part of business risks. We can say it, we, we can keep saying it, but it's, this is not an easy change because uh, security obviously has some kind of technical aspect. So for business, it is always not easy to understand uh, what, how it impacts me, 
how it impacts my business, how it impacts my customer. So this kind of transformation of security risk to a business risk uh, is, I think, one of the major issues in this industry, how we can do it. Because in healthcare industry, many of the uh, stakeholders are maybe doctors, um, healthcare professionals. They are not really converse, well conversed in the security terms and uh, jargon. So that's, I think, one of the challenge for CISO how we can help uh, our stakeholders to understand the business risk as a security risk as a business and then help them to decide. Obviously, we have to be counsel, uh, counsel them, we have to be consulted to them, but the decision has to come from them. So this change, that decision is coming for business, and then we help them to secure their process and uh, systems. That is uh, one of the challenge, uh, I think, anyone in this healthcare industry is facing. Yeah. And having said that, um, what do you think are the top three cybersecurity threats to the healthcare industry in Southeast Asia today? Top three. I think not only in healthcare, anywhere in the uh, globe, uh, not only in South Asia, phishing. Phishing is the by far the most uh, uh, impactful uh, cyber attack can happen. The reason is that it is very low cost. To send 1 million email or 10,000 email, it doesn't cost much, few, few dollars, right? So for cyber attackers, this is a very low cost uh, attack. And even one out of 10,000 people clicks, that's, that's enough for them. That's one click will give them access to a system. So this is very easy, very easy for them uh, to launch um, uh, email-based uh, attacks, right? And with the technology and, you know, we are a lot of uh, highly engaged in social media. So they can use many of this information to make the email look very familiar to us. Maybe it's coming from you. Uh, they can follow the style of written uh, of the management style, HR, uh, common year. For example, in COVID, a lot of people, we wanted to know the information, what's happening, uh, how is the... Uh, uh, disease spreading, what is the uh, vaccination rate, everything. So if anyone sends an email, okay, hey, this is a new information from the government. Uh, as a human, we want to know and maybe we'll click it. So that's how they, this phishing attack is very dangerous. People, they can easily make people believe uh, that, okay, let's click something. And that one click may give us even, no matter we may spend million dollar in uh, firewall, uh, uh, AI-based uh, cyber attack defense systems, one click can give it all away. That's why Phishing is not out the topmost of any cybersecurity threats. The second one, um, maybe many, many of us will debate on this, but to me, it's very important is the third-party risk. Uh, because in healthcare industry, it's not that everything is in-house because healthcare industry is not a tech company. Um, we are supposed to provide service to um, our patients, our stakeholders, our doctors. So we did not build, a, healthcare is not just built for a technology company, right? So we depend on our third party, like uh, some of them will provide our uh, software, some will provide them as um, hardware, maybe the door control access system is provided by some, someone else. So this third party is also part of our ecosystem. We have to depend on them. So now we are as much as secure as they are. If the third party system we use is not secure, I am also not secure. I cannot say, okay, my team is very highly skilled. We, we, our in-house system is very secure. That uh, does not help me when the, the third-party system I'm using is not that secure. So now how do I know that third-party system can be secure? So that's, I think, one of the uh, topics that how you um, select your third-party, how you select your those application uh, supply by your suppliers and how do you have follow up on that? Okay, what I have purchased from them right now, it seems secure today. But is it still secure after one year? Because uh, technology changes, new threats come up. Maybe their system was secure one year back, but is it still secure? So 
we have to regularly routinely check them that if they are secure or not and sometimes uh, due to resource and other constraint that's not happening so and that's an uh, crack uh, sometimes uh, incident happens and uh, finally i think uh, one of the emerging risk is the internet of things because we use medical device uh, even in the large facility the air conditioning system uh, the washing machines, uh, all these are also automated and they are connected to internet. So you can know, okay, this washing machine is out of order. Uh, this, um, if someone is not there, automatically I can turn it off. I don't have to go to door to door to do it. But this system was not really designed for security. They're more designed for your convenience. So I, I am not at home. I am at bus. Okay, I can turn on, turn on my AC so that by the time I reach my home after 40 minutes, uh, my room is cool. It's good. It's a cool technology, but same time, that actually attackers to use that um, system to access your router. If I am working from home and if my router is compromised, uh, then probably they can use these links to access my com uh, company systems, right? So this will keep coming up, merging up, and uh, there is no, because every company develops their uh, devices differently. There, still, there is not a one single protocol used by everyone. Just for example, for network, now everyone follows a single um, commonly known adopted protocol, so it's easy to, uh, secure them, but for this kind of device, every device has its own way of configuration. Some are easy, some are not so easy, and you need skilled people to do it. So, this uh, devices that are connected to internet uh, puts us uh, the whole system or whole facility or even the internal network in a risk uh, of getting cyber attacks. Right. <clears throat> and now, um, last question: um, In terms of cybersecurity, what are some things that you would like to see? the industry stop, start, and continue doing? Stop. I think uh, many of uh, the websites and applications still use like that, hey, it's 90 days, you did not change password, or it's 180 days, you haven't changed your password, and go ahead and change it. This practice is no longer considered as secure because forcing you know customers or users to change their password uh, in that Period. So I am using maybe 10 websites, 10 applications. So now every other day I have to change something. Now I am confused. Uh, this site, this password, it, it gets messed up and people start to write it or store it somewhere. And that's not a good practice for us. So and if if your system is already equipped, um, uh, another layer of security, like you, know, you send one-time password, you have a digital uh, um, token or something like that, this change of password is actually meaningless. So. I think the industry should um, stop uh, using this uh, forced periodic password change uh, any longer. And uh, like already the banks started doing it, uh, sending OTP over SMS is, is also not secure because the uh, text mobile texting services inherently was not designed for security and sending OTP over uh, a short message service is not secure. So maybe this is the two things uh, we can also start uh, stop using it and follow the other more recommended security practices. Continue. I think what I can only think of one thing is the awareness, um, because as I said, the phishing is the most prominent cyber attack for us. So being aware and keeping uh, the awareness level high uh, will keep us safe. Uh, we can still invest on many technologies, but there is no alternative for awareness and um, no technology, no AI, no machine learning can actually uh, replace uh, the honest level uh, that can save us. So uh, we have to still spending money, uh, keep, make the training more exciting, uh, more relevant, uh, because if I made a training five years back, that may not be relevant to us, new trends coming up. So we have to use the updated training and um, contents for keeping the honest level high. So that's something we have to continue to do and that will help us in the long run. Start, 
uh, as we have already told, many of us know that you know every like any other industry we're using artificial intelligence machine learning deep learning based technologies so there is a catch with these technologies um because previously the privacy was like you give me some information and i can misuse it right but now this technology that doesn't uh, really collect information about you. They predict something about you. That's what you're going to do in this scenario. What Aruba will do if I feed this kind of information to him. They try to manipulate my behavior, try to guess my behavior. So that's kind of um, a privacy area that's gray. So I think we have to be aware of that thing that when you, because you know, in the healthcare industry, uh, the patient information is very sensitive. We can have a lot of uh, uh, sensitive information about patients their history, their background, and some of them may be uh, they're easy uh, to use the information and make them uh, manipulate their behavior. So we have to be very careful when you choose any kind of artificial intelligence or machine learning technology, how that technology is using our customers or patients' data to derive something, how that um, uh, information is being used in future so that we can actually be aware of the privacy because we have a commitment to our patients and customers to you know, protect their privacy and when we collect data from them. So that's, I think, we have to be aware and that's something uh, we have to start since we are moving more AI and machine learning based technologies uh, everywhere in the world. Mm. Well, that's really interesting. Um, unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Um, but thanks for speaking with me today, Rubai. Um, and to our viewers, if you have any suggestions or feedback on the show, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Thanks for watching.